Some words from the hymn we just sang, what can I give him poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We've only got five minutes. Actually, you're a captive audience. They've closed the doors at the back of church, and standing up here 12 feet above contradiction, I could go on and on. But you know, don't you, that the definition of a good midnight mass sermon is that it should have a good beginning and a good ending, and that the two should be as close together as is possible. And five minutes or so should suffice. We've only got five minutes. You've heard that said, haven't you? Indeed, you've said it yourself. It's the thing we say or we think in those little pockets of time each day between things at work, before the meeting, or when we bump into someone and stop to chat. Look, I've only got five minutes. And my point isn't about the amount of time in that phrase, so much as it's about the mindset that those words betray. We've only got five minutes. Only. And as we say it, we write those five minutes off, don't we? It's not enough time to use profitably. If you do the maths, of course, you'll find that across a year, if we were to use those five minutes a day profitably instead of writing them off, then cumulatively we'd get a whole extra day of our life back, 24 hours in a year of profitable activity. In the world of helping people to think, of coaching, this habit of saying we've only got five minutes is called the dialogue of insufficiency. And a good thinking partner or coach will never say, look, we've only got five minutes left, but rather will say, look, we've got five minutes now. What can we usefully do in that time? And that subtle turn of phrase and shift of perspective changes everything. And instead of a sense of insufficiency and want, we suddenly glimpse potential. Wow, five whole minutes. Just think how much we can achieve in that time. And we don't just do this with time. Habitually, we use a dialogue of insufficiency to write off all sorts of apparently small or insignificant things or people or encounters in our lives. We say, it was only a short conversation. He was only an ordinary person. It was only a simple story. Insufficient to be significant. And on this most holy night, God challenges you to stop using a dialogue of insufficiency and to purge from your vocabulary the words, I've only got. And to notice 
that it is in small and apparently insignificant things that he sets about the work of our salvation. On this night, 2,000 or so years ago, in an insignificant town in a provincial backwater, in what was apparently only another birth among many, the salvation of the world was brought forth and laid in a manger, all so apparently insignificant, insufficient, not what anyone expected or even noticed. And yet through this seemingly negligible set of events and circumstances, God transformed everything. And this, it seems, is the way of God and the way of faith. We want to imagine that it's all about significant, big events, noticeable things. But God in the incarnation embraces the ordinary and invites us to do the same and to see in the ordinary things of life the potential for redemption and the transformation of the world. This is the way of God and it is the way of the Christian faith. Ordinary things, bread and wine, ordinary human lives, touched and transformed and taken and used by God. Ordinary things, ordinary people like you and like me. The worst thing about the dialogue of insufficiency is that we don't only write off precious pockets of time or opportunities. We don't only fail to see the potential in other people or in their stories and in encounters. It is that we fail to see the potential in ourselves. And this is the really pernicious thing we do with the dialogue of insufficiency. We say of ourselves, well, look, I'm only and then we rehearse a catalogue of reasons why we are so very ordinary and we can't do more. Or we say, well, all I've got is, and then there's a litany of insufficiency. But on this holy night, God would have you remember that in the incarnation he has embraced your humanity in all its ordinariness and insufficiency and given it dignity and purpose and has thereby called you to be, well as we say in the church, the body of Christ in the world. As Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. And unless we stop saying, I've only got five minutes or whatever it is we then say, we will never be the people that God has called us to be through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God has called all of us in the incarnation to be sanctifying the ordinary and in our very ordinary and mundane daily lives to be doing small and ordinary things with great love so that his love can be born anew in us.
Christina Rossetti, in that most beautiful Christmas poem we sang a moment ago, perfectly encapsulates the way in which, in the bleak midwinter, an insufficient stable place sufficed for the incarnation of God. And in the last stanza of her poem, she makes the point I've been trying to make, but much more succinctly and requiring much less than five minutes. What can I give him, we say, poor as I am, the dialogue of insufficiency. If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my parts. But if we can only stem this dialogue of insufficiency, then we realize that God has given us so much to use of gifts and opportunity and sets of relationships to be about his work. If we will just stop ignoring the reality of the way he calls us to be in the world. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet, what I can I give him, give my heart. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.